Hello and welcome to the first episode of Game by Numbers podcast. Today, and with the international break lull, we're going to be looking back over the opening exchanges across Europe's top five leagues and debating just how many of the current champions could be dethroned by the end of the season. It's going to be an interesting podcast. My name is Joe McGrath. I'm here with... Abdul Gallo. Marty Hill. And you will be listening to the next 20 to 30 minutes all about us dissecting the big leagues that include the Italian League, Spanish, English, German League and of course the French League, which we will start with. Should we brush over France very quickly? You want to brush over France? You take the lead on France and brush right over it. France is a very boring league. I think... (laughs) (laughs) Brilliant. They've got Icardi and Neymar and all that boring. There's a lot of great players and there's also a lot of great players kind of under that, isn't there? You know? Yeah. We saw the lad from Rennes the other day against PSG absolutely amazing like one of the best central midfield performances I've seen in a long time but as far as the title race is concerned not as interesting PSG, it is, yeah. PSG have already lost the game and they're top of the league they'll win it at an absolute cancer this year it's ridiculous like how we, we were talking about a couple of the leagues um, throughout the weekend and we were saying like there could you know a couple there could surprise us and we'll brush over them um, in the podcast but I just think with the French league, even with that fall at the start of the season, Paris had. You'd look at the league table. You'd say oh, they might be second, third. They won't be first, but they're, they're still first because I think you'd think a side like Lyon might be able to challenge them. Yeah. But they just like they always seem to, you know, they can perform well in the Champions League, but they struggle against certain sides in the French league where they're not meant to. And I just think it is a quite boring league. You can get the talent. I think some of the best talent in Europe comes out of there. Yeah, absolutely. Does, did they not like want to the other clubs want to build on uh, the fact that they could potentially go and dethrone Paris Saint Germain? Are they not bothered? Because there's no, there doesn't seem to be any. When you look at the leagues that make say one sided, like we won't, we're not going to touch on Scotland, but you know you've got Rangers biting at Celtic constantly, and other teams coming through. They want to dethrone Celtic. When I look at the French league, does anyone actually care about winning the league off Paris Saint Germain? Are they just going to let them time and time again to it's, have it? It's just the resources thing, isn't it? You've mm. basically got a country running a football club you're not going to be able to we've seen that in England and obviously there's a lot more money across the English league I think the big thing with them is not being able to keep all of the superstars we've seen Tongi Nobele go to Spurs Nicola Pepe go to Arsenal you know if clubs like Lyon and Lille could have kept hold of those players added in the summer then maybe they could start to challenge but at the moment they're just trying to keep pace with themselves uh, do you think Paris will look at what happened last year in the Champions League and yeah. be more focused on the Champions League than they are actually the league or is it you know, they just know that they're going to win the, the league, so they're going to put everything into winning that Champions League this year. I think if you look at how it ended after, obviously, United knocked them out in the Champions League, you look at them not turning up to training and like the problems that occurred, it's almost as if like they weren't asked that they won the league mm. or they were going to win the league. And they went through a bad run as well after United beat them. And I think it just the, the feel of being in that league as a league it just isn't there. Like you said, you were talking about um, you know Celtic and Rangers like Celtic are almost guaranteed to win it over the last few years like they are yeah. guaranteed to win it but because of the rivalry being there with Rangers it gives it that extra bite there's no pure like direct rivalry I yeah. think in France I might like not be knowledgeable in terms of what Paris have as a rivalry but I definitely know that that's Paris don't have like a direct you know rivalry that mm-hmm. has a crazy background um, in the French league and I think that has an effect on it as well um, the Champions League the point talking about the Champions League I think they've always been building on the Champions League trying to get to that level and I think bringing in defensive minded players in that side like Idris Gay um, and Harari can put him in that bracket I think um, bringing in those players could mean that they could be trying to build that spine in the team because they know in the French League you can go and sit out with Verratti 
or when they had Rabiot was you, you're holding midfielders or just your two midfielders in the middle and you know you won't have any problems defensively yeah. but when you go into Europe you know we've seen even what a side like Man United did mm. take them on a card you know you can't let any sides in Europe have any opportunities against that you know Barcelona turning them over that was a crazy game and yeah it's a difference between what they play in Europe and what they play back at home What's the elephant in the room then Matt, about Neymar in Paris and Chaman's squad it's is it going to be interesting to see how that develops or is it a sort of Carlos Tevez Man City 2011-12 where he just refused to play for them but then came on and be heroes after he scored a goal was it against Chelsea that he had and I remember that game being game changing Tevez threw a big Barney didn't want to come on he was sort of on the bench or was unheard of for a couple of months but once you put a goal in the back of the net fans forget about things managers forget about things is that what's going to happen? Quite possibly I think Neymar you know, starts his next game Rainbow Flicks one from the kickoff, and PSG fans will love him again he's yeah. that kind of player he's He's such a joy to watch play football. My question with Neymar is, how legitimate are his injuries? You know, people are presuming that he's kind of giving himself a week off and saying he's got a dodgy knee or whatever. I think there's a real concern. You look at how many fouls he suffers per season, I think that could be legitimate and I think he could be a lot more injury prone than people realise. Yeah, what do you think? Um, I think Neymar's just one of them, like stereotypically, you know, a lot of like Brazilians tend to have that bracket where it's like four to five years yeah. they don't have that longevity sort yeah. of in football and I don't know if that's another situation we've got with Neymar um, the talent is there man he is the, the third best player in world football over the last five six years I'd say you know along Ronaldo Messi the talent's there I don't know if he needs like a move to maybe the Serie A or like the Premier League for me a Premier League move would be great for Neymar because I think he's got to start shaping his game into end product rather than purely, you know, showing the flicks and the tricks. And I'm not one of those guys that goes on about purely, like, you know, trying those flicks and tricks. Yeah. But I think he just, the French League allows him to do, to do that and he might need a proper challenge. And I think the Premier League could be a good move for him. I don't think any sides in for him. Really looks like Barcelona trying to get a deal over the line. That's not happened. Um, but again, the talent is there, man. Like, he's the third best player in the world for me. Really? Yeah, oh, he's but is he going to have to have a big season for you this year? He's going to have to have a big season. I think, I think Tuchel's going to have to like really step up as a coach and sort of like you got Icardi, Mbappe, and Neymar as your front three. If you can build that proper midfield, it's so ridiculous. It's it? a yeah. joke how that front three is in the French league because you <laughs> want to see them play against better sides yeah, week yeah. in week out. And I think they've just got to step up their game in Europe and really manage. The, the league situation so to round up on France we're not really too bothered about them because we kind of think that Paris will just run with the league yeah. what we are bothered about France is their involvement in uh, obviously the Champions League for teams like City and obviously Liverpool And because you don't forget they, they give some of our English clubs a bit of a headache last year especially Man City got a bit riled didn't they um, so that is kind of the, the message for France should we go to the neighbours to the left or should we go down south should we go Spain yeah, sure, sure should we go, go to Spain? Yeah, yeah, should we yeah, have a little flight to Spain? A little aeroplane to Spain? What do we make of Spain? Ah, <laughs> oh, mate, I don't know with this season, you know. Like, the, one of the most frustrating things which we speak about a lot when we're in the office watching the foot is, like, you know, how sort of Valverde has managed Barcelona. And I think, like, seeing that setup when you've got, like, Frankie de Jong and you're not getting him in the side to see Playing the pitch. Like, you, you see the positions he's picked, he picked up, like we were speaking about earlier and, and how Pogba against Southampton when he was pushed further up the pitch was taking like that position on the left where he prefers sort of in that central left area. Mm -hmm. 
And and you you seen Frankie play like that for Barcelona. Shouldn't be anywhere near that part of the pitch. I mean, I've spoken to Rennie Ministerin recently, and he said like how highly he rates him. He thinks he can even contend to like Ballon d'Ors and stuff like that. And the fact that you know, yeah, that that that's what a lot of people in football see of him. And then on the pitch, you're playing him further up the pitch. He was receiving the ball in the opposition's box the other week, and I think Valverde as a coach has been very very disappointing. And in, in general, La Liga needs a new Barca coach. So let's just talk. So we obviously we're in the league now. Let's mention just if someone is not watching any football at the minute, Mike, could you sum it up? How how has it gone? Like, is is it still Barcelona Real Madrid battling it out, or have we had a couple of surprises along the way? I think Barcelona are at eighth at the minute. Well, which is not what you'd think, would it be in the first international break? To be fair, Messi's back, so I'll yeah. yeah. so change. Yeah, I think they probably are a mid-table team without Messi, aren't they? So yeah. that makes sense. Um, Atletico Madrid look like the favourites based on current mm. form. They're not creating a lot of chances. Only, I think, Diego Costa's taking more than one shot per game for them. Crikey. But they've played three, won three. They look like the better team. They look like they're just concentrating on creating high-quality chances. Yeah. You know, you've got Jao Felix, you've got Kieran Trippier, you've got these creative players in there now. I think they could be the dark horses, but I said this about them last year. And so, yeah, well, it's one of them, and it, you know, the longer the season goes on, it, more, it feels like more Barcelona Real Madrid get back into it. But if they make an impact early doors and, and carry on through, we could see a bit of an upset. I think we could. Um, again, like like Marty, I actually said last season we could see them win the Champions League or even La Liga. Mm. Um, again, like the reason I was going on about Barca is because I don't rate Valverde being there. How much longer they're going to keep him there? Because that, you know, playing Rafinha out on the left wing, um, you know, who's creating the most chances for them. But then again, you know, Bilbao, that loss was shocking. It was like Griezmann was playing off the left, but he was picking up areas in a box where it wasn't like what Griezmann does. He was almost looking like a target man, just waiting for the ball to come yeah. in. And I think that's just not his game. We're seeing him against Betis at home uh, the other night, scoring, you know, a couple of goals, getting an assist there as well. So he... Again, you need these players to be at their best when Messi comes yeah. in. And I think Valverde is not. So I can't see Barca winning the league. I actually see Atletico this year. Do you really see Valverde? If Valverde stays as a coach, I do see Atletico to go on Big shout and win the league. What yeah. about so in an English export to Atletico? Is Kieran Chippy fitting in well into the, the Liga? Or is he struggling a bit? You don't see many English players go to foreign leagues and, and do really well. I mean, you've obviously got Ramsey this year for Juventus, yeah. but how is Chippy doing? Yeah, he's looking really good. We were saying earlier, it seemed like a weird transfer at the time, but then you you start to learn the details of it and you think, okay, he's gone for £20 million. Mm. For an international player like Kieran Trippier, that's never a bad price. And then I think they've actually identified him playing for Burnley more than playing for Spurs. You know, he's playing in that flat back four. Yep. He's playing in that low block system and just getting up very occasionally. And I think he's very efficient when he does get into the final third. You know, his final ball is very, very good. He's not somebody that's going to bomb on and cross continuously at Atleti. But I think that efficiency of his final ball into kind of the penalty area suits them quite well. So where do we see Real Madrid, the Galacticos this season? A lot of talk in the in the summer about Gareth Bale no longer be needing at the club and he goes on to score two goals and gets sent off for the weekend. There's lots of drama happening around that club. Are they going to be stable enough to, to challenge for the title this year? Um, I don't know, especially the setup they've had this season. Um, the last game watched was Villarreal. He set up in a you know bank of four, obviously almost four four two, proper like Sean Dyche. <laughs> so it was crazy watching that. Like he had Bale as like a left winger, and then he had like Vasquez as a pure right winger and Casemiro, Cruz holding. We know that Cruz isn't the most mobile player, and he needs to see more of the pitch. Again, it's like we were talking a bit earlier about Barcelona where you play Frankie. 
you want to see Cruz having seen more of the pitch. I think when you're playing in a two, in a four-four-two, you've almost got to be quick. You haven't got time to pick out those passes, yeah. you know, in between the lines. And I think in that setup with the pivot with Casemiro, it was just poor watching them. Ramos has still got mistakes in him. You know, he's one of the best defenders that we've watched. You know, it's almost like when the big at the big stage, he doesn't make those mistakes, but he seems to make a lot of them in La Liga um, against sides like Villarreal, Catafe, and all of that. Yeah. So I'd, I'd, again, I think they could struggle to like. I think they might finish fourth, third this season. Really? That's a, honestly, Hazard can come in again. Like we're forgetting, like Hazard's even aside. Yeah. We were talking about yeah, him yeah. earlier. We completely like <laughs> put him out. He's but, their big summer signing, wasn't it? But it depends how you set up. Do you go Bale, you know, Benzema, Rojovic, obviously? Then you got Hazard on the left. Can you get the best out of Hannah Rodriguez, who we know is still a good player? Yeah. Um, again, it, it all relies on what we see when Hazard comes in, if he's going to change the setup. But as of now, I don't see them getting above Atletico or potentially even Barca if they sort out the Valverde situation. So you're going to predict your top four now, early doors. I know it's only September. Put uh, your money around where your mouth is. We'll listen back to this at the end of the season. Abdul, do you want to go first in your top four? Um, I'm going to go with... I'm going to Atletico. You're going to go over Atletico. I want to change it up, man. Honestly, I know it's more like almost I want them to like, obviously I want them to win it rather than just like whatever. But, you know, I I, I think, again, I think Barcelona almost seem to be stuck with the Valverde plan and they don't want to change it. Real Madrid. So that's what's going to hold back on it. And that's the thing with Real Madrid as well. You don't know what formation they're going to play. They've had two games they played 4-3-3 and a 4-4-2. They need to settle on a formation. Exactly. They can't do that midway through a season. And I think the other problem, again, it reflects with Real Madrid, which is Zidane. I think they're going to trust Zidane for a lot, a much longer period, like Valverde at Barca. So I think that's going to hinder them in the league. We've seen both of those sides sack managers like that, but I think this is very different. I think Messi seems to be happy with Valverde being there. I think Madrid, like Zidane resigned or left or whatever happened with his situation. Yeah. And then, you know, they spent so much money in getting him back and giving him that transfer budget that you've got to keep him and see what, what he does. He yeah. So exactly, they've, they've literally given him like, the, whatever do you want to do with the squad you can do. Um, and you've got three Champions Leagues in a row. It's ridiculous. So, I think that's going to be hindrance for them. And, and Atletico go on and win it. Um, fourth, I don't know. Um, I'm struggling with fourth because I've not. Like, I don't. I've not really watched Sevilla. Um, yeah. They're usually the team that can nip in. Uh, Getafe look like a good side. Betis yeah. got Fakir in, um, who's who's quite impressive again. Scored against Barcelona the other night. Once he gets into the flow of La Liga, he'll he'll look really good. So. I'm, you know, I'm going to go with a bit of a random one. I'm going to go Betis because I really want to see in the Champions League. And I think, again, Sevilla and those other sides are taking a bit of a knock. Uh, but I'm going to go Betis just, you know, for a cheeky cheeky one. Why? Change it up. Um, I think I agree. Atleti to win. I think I'd go Real Madrid, presuming they kind of sort out their systematic problems, move to a back five, play Bale as a left wing back. I think they, they'll be good enough to finish ahead of it's difficult, isn't it? Because we're seeing yeah. Barcelona without Messi. And Barcelona with Messi is such <coughs> a different prospect. But I'll go Barcelona third. They'll prioritise the Champions League. And then Athletic Club fourth. Well, well let's go to uh, Germany now. We'll move on to Germany. We've said goodbye to Spain. Germany, you kind of get the same old, same old with Germany. But there's been a bit of a, 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 a sort of switch at the minute. Or, or, or a challenge for, for Bayern Munich's title, would you say? I, I think Bayern Munich might be the third best team in Germany this year. Wow. I really do. I think you look at... I mean, it's hard to say after Borussia Dortmund just got absolutely thrashed by Union Berlin. <laughs> but you look at their like ability going forward. I think 
Sancho's assisted Paco Alcacer three times already this season. That's as many as they linked up in the entirety of last season. So they're clearly moving on. And I think RB Leipzig are far and away the best team in Germany. Really? Yeah, yeah I think I, right I now. Really think so. I, I do agree with that. Um, I do think, again, those two sides could potentially nip in ahead of Bayern. Um, the, the only thing with Bayern, I think they have so much you know, quality and experience. Is in like... Lewandowski, like a lot of the time watching, I'm just like, I don't think I rate you anymore. But then he just seems to always get the goals, always turns up. I just think in Bayern Munich's general play isn't so great. And then I think they're going to try and prioritise Champions League this season. And that could, then that's why RB Leipzig nip in. What we've seen from Nagelsmann as well this season, like the sides they've beat in Frankfurt, um, was it Union Berlin as well, who beat yeah. Dortmund? Bruce yeah. And then well. Bruce Schirmann took Gladbach. So, um, yeah, Marco Rose, again, great manager for them. So it was a it was a great game to watch the other night. And Werner getting in on goal. Um, you know, I think Nagelsmann last year, obviously his team, uh, half a nine, you know, they averaged the most shots in the league ahead of yeah. Bayern. So that, they that taking, is impressive. They were taking as many shots as Man City last year. Yeah, it's that's very, crazy. Very average team. So why is it that these clubs like Bayern didn't see the threat and didn't, I mean, they, they strengthened in the summer, but not to the extent that you'd say like Juventus strengthened, who we'll get on to soon, or Barcelona strengthened. They, they they put some new players on the pitch, but in terms of looking at their oppositions and going, there could be a real threat to us next year. Did it seem like they were worried? Has this shocked them a bit, the way that other teams are playing? Bayern's transfer window is really weird, right? So they quite they had Ribery and Robin both leaving in the same yeah. summer. Their priorities have to be strengthening those wide areas. <coughs> their best The best thing about that team last year was their defence. They went and spent loads of money on the defence and barely anything on the wide areas. It makes no sense to me yeah. whatsoever, you know. Sane, maybe they'd have got that over the line if he hadn't picked up that injury. Yep. But it's just so uninspiring. You know, Perisic and Coutinho, they're players that their clubs were actively looking to move on. They're not going to replace two kind of iconic wide players. Do you think Coutinho will be good for Bayern? Will he be the sort of the superstar that we saw him at Anfield that pushes Bayern to, to get another Bundesliga? I don't know. I think the, the thing that I have with Coutinho, which I've been banging on about for two years, is. You look at his performance in the World Cup for Brazil, one of the best players for me in the he tournament. Was so good. He was brilliant. He had two almost defensive midfielders, uh, you know, Casemiro, I think Palinho was in there as well in the mix. Um, and then you had him doing what he wanted in a midfield three. And when he was at Barca, the, he was so far from goal. He was playing as a left mid. And a lot of people think Barca plays like a 4 3 3, but mainly it's almost a 4 4 2 at times. Yeah. It's just Messi picking the ball mm. up off Suarez and that. And I think if you bring him in centrally, at Bayern he could do well but again losing those two wide players that have done so well for like the last 10 years or whatever at Bayern Munich and not replacing them could mean he moves out wide and we see the same cycle with him the same problem I think the hope the hope of Coutinho is that it's he's such a threat that he opens up that space for Lewandowski I think that's purely you might not see Coutinho contribute directly yeah. but I think Lewandowski's output will probably if it can go up where are the superstars that aren't uh, playing for Bayern Munich in the Bundesliga we mentioned Sancho before is he just again t- uh, picking things up, up where they left from last season what, who else is, is really sort of stealing the headlines over there that you as you know a fan of English football might want to see them come into to your side for me it's got to be Timo Werner right yeah Timo Werner Kai Havertz Havertz for me but oh, Ver- Werner's very, definitely very definitely in the mix yeah both of them for me what have they done this season that has just sort of caught your attention I think the thing is with Havertz I think at one point obviously he was a top scoring teenager he's yeah. literally just turned 20 over the summer but he was a top scoring teenager last season um, in the top 5 leagues was it so 
like those numbers are incredible at Bayern Leverkusen. And what I've seen a lot from is in-game intelligence, like you know, getting into those areas of the and the of the box where we've almost seen that with Deli Ali in the Premier League from a young age as well, and that's what impresses me, where he's almost on the blind side of the defenders and always gets picked out in the middle of the box. And I think that suits the Premier League and physically being there as well. I think he's around six foot or yeah, whatever. Big. So he's a big lad as well, but he's technically so good. Can play on the right, can play on the left, can play in the centre, can play off the striker. I think if I'm someone like Liverpool and Firmino's wanted by Barcelona and, and you can't hold on to him, I'd bring in Havertz and turn him, mould him into a bit of a false nine because of you know, his intelligence in that area of the pitch. Um, but I'd love Havertz at, at United. I'd, I'd, I'd love to see him. And, and I think I've, he's got a big year ahead of him and Leon Bailey at Leverkusen. Yeah, you agree, Yeah, I think Kai Havertz is a fantastic player. I think moving into false nine brings the best out of him. Obviously, he's going to be in and around the box as well. He's, I think he's six foot two. Yeah. He looks so weird. I, I kept saying six foot because I'm like, he's too young to like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, it's so technically good that when you when you look at his height, you're like, you can't be that good. It's <laughs> the ability to score goals no matter where he starts as well. Like, yeah. He starts on the left wing, he'll score. He starts on the right, he'll score. He starts off the striker, he'll score. He's just so consistent. It's, again, that's why I compared it with like the Delhi Ali thing. We've seen games where Delhi starts off like the, um, as more of a sort of left-sided forward. Um, in like Poch's system to you know accommodate whatever they're doing in that midfield, and then he still gets the goals. And I think that intelligence at a young age um, is so is so important. If you have that, I think you can go into any league and perform. And I think I think he's got a big move ahead of him. Like Bayern again are linked to him, and I, I really wouldn't Don't like him to go Bayern. I'm sick of like sick sort of. of it. Seeing the, the top sides, yeah. and that's why I want RB Leipzig to win that, the league. That doesn't man. really yeah. happen in English football, does it? You don't see yeah. someone sort of. I mean, someone because it's quite. They could be rivals by Munich. They could be their rivals, and we we sort of. You see some transfer between Dortmund and Bayern. That would never happen between. I mean, it did happen between City and Liverpool. Still, in way way back, that was when yeah. Liverpool weren't fighting for it. Imagine City buying Liverpool playing now. It just wouldn't. Yeah, yeah wouldn't no happen. Chance. But it's somehow for some reason Bayern seem to get them deals over the line. It still baffles me that. And really. then Dortmund seem to like nip in and get like you do, you know, Julian Brandt and all these guys yeah. from the rest yeah. of the league. That kind of second tier yeah. where the value is. Isn't yeah. it? And that's why you want like an RB Leipzig to win the league because imagine they win the league. Werner, who again looked like that he could be going to, um, you know, uh, Bayern Munich when his contract ended, renewed his contract and RB Leipzig go on to win the league and they say, all right, we're keeping this team. We're going to bring in, we know what we know how that club's been run at a brilliant level. Yeah. Um, and I think they could like cause trouble even in Champions League. We forget that they're in there, finally yeah. in the top competition. So we could we could see them like really surprise us. And uh, if they win the league, then they can keep some of those stars and add to that. And then that changed the whole dynamic of I the Bundesliga. The thing with RB Leipzig as well, they've been, I think we all agree, they've been comfortably the best team in Germany so far. Yeah. Uber Kano's not played. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, He's that one is one of mad. the best. Like, Kanate and Bukano are like who are the top teams are looking at in terms of the young defenders in yeah. Europe and the he's best. not even played them both in one side so I'm not going to ask you your top four I'm just going to ask you who you think will win the league um, I'm, I'm going to go RB Leipzig yeah. Again, I'm, I'm going to sound like an absolute hipster in this because like, obviously <laughs> I picked Atleti and I, but I genuinely think like Leipzig again by Munich could be in size 5-6 but we're, we're over uh, next week actually in Germany to watch them uh, you know, we're over there watching the RB Leipzig buying game, wow. so that will be sort of a that will give us a bigger picture yeah. in terms of you know if they beat them, then ha- those are four sides that they face, four top sides that they face in the Bundesliga. That puts in a statement, and I think they can beat them, man. It's out, it's out of Leipzig, so if if they beat Bayern Munich, then you can Bring you could home. say they're in the mix. But yeah, I, I say I say they're winning it. My. I'm gonna go RB Leipzig. Yeah, I agree. RB Leipzig, like 
Julian Nagelsmann had Hoffenheim taken more shots than Man City last season. Now he's got Yusuf Paulson and Timo Werner. They're just going to blow teams <laughs> away. And they've got two, probably one and two of the centre-back prospects in world football. You heard it here first. Right, the penultimate one. We're going to go to Italy now. So much uh, sort of connection between the Italian league and the Premier League in terms of just transfers this season. Look at big signs for Lukaku and Ramsey. Took some of United's dead wood, Roma did, uh, in terms of Chris Smalling going over there. Um, there is a league that looks tasty now than it's done for a long, long time. Juventus just sort of kings of Italy for a while, but is their crown going to be threatened, Abdul? Um, I think it could be. Um, I, I'm the thing is, I think down the line in the season, we could see, you know, Inter Milan challenge Juventus, but I think Juventus are just going to settle down within two, three months of the season. You know, having Ronaldo in the side is just like, come on! Like we've yeah. seen the difference that's made Madrid when he's there and he's when not there. When was the last time he didn't win a league? Like it's it's, it's crazy. Thing, like a decade ago. Like, <laughs> it's ridiculous. The guy is like outrageously good and. And he'll always get you goals. I think we've seen him the other day stepping up and getting that third goal against Napoli. Now, you could use that game as an example as to why we could see Inter Milan nip in there because they went, ended up conceding three goals yeah. in, like, what, 10 minutes or whatever yeah. against Napoli. At the back, you know, they've lost Chiellini um, for pretty much the full season now. And I think he's... Be- him and De Ligt are the best centre-backs. Benucci has declined massively, in my opinion. Um, he looked a much better defender a few years back. And then De Ligt looked out of his depth the other day against Napoli. I think it might have just been a one-off game. I rate him highly. De Maral could come in. He looked really good in pre-season for them. But if they have any defensive issues, you've got an interside under Conte playing that famous 3-5-2 system that he loves playing. And if he can get that to work, we've seen what he did with Chelsea in the Premier League. You know, we've seen what he did with Juventus and Serie A. I think Juve fans were gutted that he ended up going to into like you just look at their reactions online, like they were fuming that he's gone <laughs> because they know what he's capable of. Exactly. I think he's such a good tactical manager, knows what he wants and implements that well by getting Lukaku Sanchez in. They could be a danger, but I think Juve, because of the aspect of having Ronaldo, they could have they could work around Costa, Dybala, Higuain the other night looked the Higuain that we've seen at Juventus turn, bang, scoring goals. Um and I think once they sort that defence out, they'll settle into the season. So I'll keep Juve as the as the champions in Italy. I don't know, you know. I think this Inter side, if they can move to that three five two, it's weird, isn't it? Because you're like Lukaku Sanchez are what a front two that is. And we've just had them at United and yeah. they're absolutely dire. <laughs> but I think in theory that could be such a strong partnership. And then that back three as well, you've got De Vrij, Godin and Skriniar. You know, that's pretty much the best back three in Europe that I can think of. And I think Juve, there's a lot of Juve players that are six months of bad form away from being considered washed up. You know, if Alexandro has a bad six months now, yeah. people say he's past it. Benucci, I think, arguably, you could already say that. Kidera is definitely in the mix. Kidera, you've got Danilo. I don't know, I think if they start poorly, they won't recover from it. And again, yeah. we're, we're assuming that Ronaldo is Ronaldo and he scores 30 goals a season. That could not happen. You know, the it's got to stop one day, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, it could get to mid-season and Ronaldo yeah. does slow down. And if that happened, I don't think. I think the thing is the Champions League aspect, which you've got to consider. Like, I'm still saying, obviously, like I do think Juve will win it, but I think Inter are going to really win them close this season. Yeah. If not, go in and win it. But obviously, in my opinion, I think they will. But Champions League is going to have a big effect. We've seen what it does to sides like Bayern, Juventus in the past. Yeah. 
because they're not winning it. They want they're like we're winning the league every season. Yeah, yeah. All we want is that Champions League, and we could see them fall into that again. Is Sarri strong enough? Is he got because obviously you saw what he did with Chelsea last year. Yeah, you won the Europa League, and he got them to third. But Conte, when he came in for the first season for Chelsea, there was so much talk about the Pep's arrival, Jose's arrival into the big clubs, and then, but then he snuck out of nowhere and he won the Premier League for Chelsea that year, which is still one I think one of the greatest achievements for that Premier League side to go on and win the league. Is that kind of same situation here? Inter Milan, you know, they've bought well, they've got players in that can beat big sides. Are they going to sneak through and they're going to be the, the person who stops Juventus winning again? I think he's, Conte's just such a good problem solver, isn't he? He comes in, he looks at his squad, he thinks, you know, I can add X, Y and Z to this squad and then I've got this group of players, therefore we'll play this system and this is how we'll attack and this is how we'll defend. I think Inter have needed that for so long. Mm. They've had people coming in. It's a bit like Man United, you have Van Hal coming in, buying possession-based players, and then you have Mourinho getting counter-attacking players, and it's just a horrible, bloated mess of a yeah. squad. And Inter have got that now, and Conte is the exact man you want managing that. So I wouldn't be surprised. Do you think it's just a two-horse race then, or is there anyone, anyone else you want to follow? I'm, I'm going to go with a two-horse race. I think Napoli, again, <laughs> Ancelotti is a great coach. I rate the guy, but I've had a lot of question marks over how Napoli, you know, you think they would have strengthened in the way they played under Ancelotti, but... I feel like it's just stabilised them rather than like yeah. taking them to that level to be like Conte's done with Inter to be to get to be getting closer to Juve. We've seen them the other night with Kilobali's on goal in the last minute. I know they ran Juve close in the game, but and over the course of the season, I think they haven't got enough manpower as a squad to handle the Champions League, to handle the cups and the league. And I think that it'll be a two-horse race between Inter and Juventus. Agree, my yeah, I'd agree with that. I think Napoli are set up to challenge within two or three years I don't think they're going to challenge this season we're going to look at English uh, obviously the Premier League now <clears throat> I wonder if we could put our mindset in uh, us three where should we go should we go to Italy us three are in Italy right now and we're all Italian and we're doing a podcast <laughs> about the Premier League from the outside looking in forget your uh, allegiances to whatever club how would you sum up the Premier League not being fans of a team that's in it right now you look at Liverpool still uh, riding the way City obviously dropped points how do you assess that I think the thing is obviously the way we've looked at other sides then as a from the outside looking in you'd say oh maybe Liverpool can you know finally nip in there ahead of City and I do tend to think that that could be the possibility this season because I look at the Premier League you know like you you've got to have that defense that you're showed with week in week out we've seen that with City we've seen that with Liverpool and above Van Dijk in City bringing that extra cover with Laporte and now losing Laporte and Vincent Company and you've got to play Fernandinho at centre-back, how much longer are they going to do that? They've got, if they're going to sign anyone, that's going to be January. Do they have any you know, young lads coming through? It's a bit of a tough one to bring them in. Maybe it is the right move to bring them in rather than relying on Fernandinho. And then in certain games, you'd rather Fernandinho to be breaking down the play uh, in midfield rather than having him in defence. And I think that's going to be such a big, you know, big game player for them. We've seen them battle Brighton the other day, but are you going to be able to do that against even United, Liverpool, teams that are going to counter you? I think we could see Liverpool actually nipping ahead of them. Why if Liverpool pick up their injuries, their squad isn't as you know they haven't got the luxury, yeah. luxury of the the City squad. But I mean, yeah, a club looks like someone who keeps his players fit well. I don't know how they do and, it. I don't <laughs> like, know they how need they testing do it. because that front three. I've been mean, like, it's horrible to say, but as a fan, you're like, oh, when they're going to get injured? Because yeah. like, how much football they play? So when we're not going to see? Sadio Mane went to a Champions League final, then played in the Afcon which he got to the final <laughs> and this season he's won possession in the final third more than any other player so essentially he's pressing more than any other player and the goal the, like, against Southampton and Burnley like yeah. he's right back on his form straight away and I think 
you know, as a United fan, obviously it hurts you. You have to like talk about Liverpool like that. But if from an honest like football fan perspective, I'd say that you know, if they keep their front three fit, which I think they have managed to for the majority of the time in the club, then I think they'll be good. I think if they have a problem in defence, um, I was having a combo about this last night and. If like was having a like convo with a Liverpool fan, he was saying, "I'd rather like lose a Van Dijk, uh, no, lose one of the front three over Van Dijk." And I was just like, almost saying, "Like I rate Van Dijk as the best centre back in the world. He's, yeah. he's like third best player in world football, second best player in world football in my opinion this season after Messi." Yeah. But I was almost saying you might be wrong there because I think everything starts on the top of the pitch for Liverpool. Yeah. <laughs> I think once Firmino and the way Firmino plays complements what Salah's going to do, what Mane is going to do in the box. Gomez and Matic could do well together. I think they could still, you could still trust them. Whereas you look at City, Laporte's out for seven months or whatever with that ACL. You got to play Fernandinho, and again their front three changes a lot. You got Aguero. You can, they're always score goals. We know how I City think are. The big thing with Liverpool as well is if they pick up an injury in defence, they've still got probably the best defensive midfielder in the league. Oh, for me, oh yeah, without without a doubt. I, I mean, the way we seen the other day, we were watching the game in here together, and that ball that comes to him that he plays first time into Salah's path who turns Louise in was absolutely incredible it's exactly what you want your defensive midfielder to do and it's why we wanted to see him at United right. Fabinho and I think he can even step in as a centre-back yeah. so then again you're losing arguably your best player which is Van Dijk or your best player and you're still alright and I think it's about keeping that front three fit if they keep that front three fit then again I mean we could see a re- we've seen Origi come in score goals Shaqiri could come in I, I don't know I, I can't I can see Liverpool nipping ahead it's a two-horse two. race though isn't it it is, yeah. It is. Yeah, no one else yeah, is really sh- surprised you. Tottenham, who were pro- apparently in Tottenham the mix last year. Tottenham outside top four. Well, it is the Generally, thing. We were the to- top six race is almost more interesting than yeah, that. Yeah, it, it is. It really yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. When you look at when we talked about Barcelona in uh, the Liga, they say, oh, they're eighth, but we kind of knew they were going to come back into it. When you look at a side like United, who, who aren't doing too well this year, you know, not picked up. Uh, the whole, just poor poor performances and not getting uh, the three points when they needed to do you think that the people outside of uh, England look at United go they will get top four this year or do they know the reality of how difficult the Premier League is going to be for United this season I think the way I think about it is, is like us thinking about AC Milan yeah we see AC Milan and we see that they'll be like seventh in Serie A and we'll think oh they must have key players injured and stuff and that is kind of just their level now I worry that's how United are perceived because that'd be quite a fair perception at the minute. You know, we're a Paul Pogba injury away from playing McTominay, who I've really rated this season, but you know he's got probably thirty senior appearances of men's football yeah. behind him. Got Fred, who again I really like, but he's made a direct error in pretty much every appearance for Man United, and those are going to be your two midfielders if Pogba picks up an injury. I don't think that's a team that gets top four and it struggles to get top six. Yeah, I agree with him. It hurts to say, obviously. I think the the thing that keeps us in this whole top six, like top four race thing, like I think you got Spurs. Who, if I'm a Spurs fan, I'm genuinely concerned. And we've seen them, some of them online this weekend after the Arsenal game. Arsenal again, defensive problems. Their front three could be great. Pepe, I think, is going to fire away. I think on the eye, Pepe looks great if he sorts his composure out. And I think edges that end product that we've seen what he had that Lille turning defenders in and banging them in, then. I think they they could look good, but defensively they got issues. United have got issues in midfield. If Jimmy Garner or if, you know or Fred can come into the season and allow Paul Pogba to push up the pitch, United can get back into what I think what Oli wants. And I think the reason I think more of it on a positive sort of note is I think now Oli's gonna. I'd be surprised if we come back from 
the international break and he doesn't play Pogba further up the pitch. Yeah. I think if it was Mourinho or whatever, if I was thinking that, I'd, you'd say I'd be a bit deluded. But I think Oli has seen what how effective Pogba is and he pushed him up towards the end of that game. So if Garner steps in our thread alongside McTominay and United push Pogba up, that back line is good. It's, it's, a, it's a top back line, Wan-Bissaka, Maguire. It's a back line you can trust, the left back problem. But I think we can, I think we will make top four. I think just because of the, the situations at other clubs, I think Chelsea Lampard have got a lot to learn in terms of what the Premier League's there. I think Lampard has got to learn a lot as a coach, and so has Oli. Yeah. But I just think that our setup as a whole throughout a season could potentially be better than Chelsea's. I've seen the way they've leaked goals, and there seems to be... I mean, Kante can come into midfield. That's My worry with Chelsea is they've got Kante coming back in, they've got Loftus-Cheek coming back in, they've got Hudson-Doy coming back Reece in. James as well. Rudiger. Right. You know, that's half the defence. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, we, we've got to wait to see what they do, but I do think they Lampard, he has a lot, you know, the talent in that pitch for Chelsea is unbelievable in that squad. We seen them the other day against Sheffield, but again, tactically, he didn't really like. I didn't really think of him as a great manager, like oh, half decent manager even. Sorry, at Derby, I thought he wasn't so great at Derby. Can't he was almost giving Mason Mount or Wilson the ball and make something. He happen. used his connections to get good Premier League players in, and yeah. then finish sixth. Yeah. which they'd finished the year before. Yeah, so yeah, that again, like I think he could build something for them in the future, but I think because of United's trusted defence with Wan-Bissaka and Maguire, yeah. if that, that missing link in midfield can be bought in and a January signing, which I think, you know, I'm being more optimistic, but I think we could see someone coming in January. I think the way yeah. we're, the, the way the season started means someone could come in and, and I think we will just end up top four. Yeah, indeed. Do you think any of the big clubs will see the managers leave before the end of the season some talk about Arsenal you know my Emery like getting a bit of pressure on him Pochettino Ole there's a lot of pressure on these big clubs now to, to make sure they get a top four do you think all of them well, what you'd call big clubs maybe in the top six of last year will see the managers stay to the end of the season I think Unai Emery is an interesting one because if he doesn't get top four this season at what point is he going to take that Arsenal team to top four you know they've invested really really well this yeah. They spent like a hundred million of their forty-five million pound budget, and then you know Spurs are faltering. Manchester United and Chelsea have got you know two of the least experienced managers in the league. But Arsenal still don't make top four. I find it hard to justify keeping his job. Yeah, I think that the thing is with Arsenal, it's just like they've just been falling into that Europa League thing, yeah. um, and I think they've just almost got to see it as like oh another season progress. I think. Their standards are different to United's. I think United's standards are just winning the league, winning the Champions League. Yeah, we could be finishing outside the top four, but I think whatever the, the, the people at the top of the club, forget how they've run the club, they expect managers to come in and they expect them to go and win the league in the Premier League. Yeah. Uh, the, the league, you know, challenging the Champions League. Of course, we're in Europa, but I think the standards at United are a lot higher and possibly Chelsea as well compared to Arsenal. I think Arsenal's still in the thing that Wenger didn't do great, too great towards the end and but fell how, into Europa. But it's, it's more everybody around them. Like, how do you finish? How do you justify, you know, okay, City finish above you, that's fine. Liverpool finish above you. How do you justify the other team that have to finish above them? Yeah. And then again, for them to not get even fourth. So they could be a bit more season, ruthless. They might have to be a bit more ruthless. I just yeah, know, if Frank Lampard comes in his second season as a manager, and finishes above them. That's a massive, massive question. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Right, boys, I think that's it. Obviously, the weeks would go by on uh, Game by Numbers. We'll bring you all the updates uh, from across Europe as well as the Premier League as we go through 
game by game, week by week, and see will our predictions be correct. Uh, my name's been Joe. Abdul. Marty. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast, bringing you this update every single week, uh, talking you through the games. Make sure you do a little review as well, just to make sure uh, that the people who should be hearing this do hear it. Uh, thank you very much for listening. We'll see you next week. See you in a bit.